Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Man, I'm telling you, 5'8", you're having French toast sticks. And the amount of self-control I had to not walk into the kitchen and steal one of their French toast sticks was, was strong. Do I have any parents here that have a dad or mom tax? Like when your parents or your kids go to like Halloween, you take like 40% of their candy, something like that. Okay, that's me. All right. This year was a good year for us. So we took 50% of it and uh, it went with me hunting. And so uh, I just want you guys to know we're all human in this place. Okay, Uh, it's good. It's so fun to be with you guys. It's so fun to be in the company of uh, some new faces, some some returning faces. It's just so good to start off the year together. I tried to crack a dad joke the first service, and it didn't go very well. I've only been a dad for five years, so I'm working on it. So I'm not going to spare you guys that. But uh, it is fun to see uh, how when you are a parent, you kind of see things a little bit differently. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went to pick up my kids from daycare. And there was about, I would guess, two 10-year-old boys in the house next to where our daycare is. And it was so, I had to snicker and smile to myself because when I walked past them, I could tell they were having one of those like secret conversations where like a scheme was coming into fruition. All right. And here's all that I gathered. Permission from mom was the target. We are going to get permission from mom. And I just had to laugh because isn't it funny how when you're 10 years old, you have nothing to say until you need something. And when you need something, you turn into rain, man. You're like, I know how to do this. Okay. Here's the deal. What we're going to do. My mom's coming home from getting groceries at two o'clock today. That's when we strike. All right. That's when we, that's when the plan gets executed. Your mom is going to call my mom. All right. And because I know that if I ask to have a sleepover tonight, my mom's saying, no, we had a sleepover last night. And if I ask, no sleepover is happening. But if your mom talks to my mom, then they'll talk together and then we'll get permission. And it works a lot of the time, doesn't it? Or if you're like, Hey, I really want to shoot my BB gun in the house. If you ask mom, For sure, no, absolutely not. If you ask dad when the Vikings are winning, oh, you are in, baby. You are ready to go. We get really good at asking for permission when we want something as kids, aren't we? We become very, very gifted at it. We're good at asking for things. You know, it was about a month ago, on a little bit more honest, sincere note, uh, it was about a month ago that the Lord kind of impressed upon something for me. Uh, to be completely honest with you, I didn't anticipate this would become a sermon series. didn't anticipate this would even get shared from the pulpit, not because it was anything secretive, but just this was something that God kind of gave to me for me. And here's what that thing was. I kind of felt like God was saying, Derek, I want you to kind of look a little bit deeper into your prayer life. And you might be asking, like, what, it, what does that mean, right? Like, I, I, I'm a man of prayer. I like to say that I pray, right? I pray with my family before we eat dinner. Uh, we say prayers to our kids before they go to bed. Uh, we do these different things. I pray with people at church. I pray with our staff. I pray with our teams. Uh, I have my own personal time with Jesus when I read this and I worship and I pray. And so I'm kind of like, what? Look, taking a deeper look at prayer, what, what kind of does that look like? But the thing that I was missing, the thing that I kind of realized is that I got really good at asking God for something. 
I got really good at saying, God, would you do this? Would you, would you move on behalf of people? Would you, would you do this? Would you provide financially? Would you provide healing? Would you do all these different things? I got really good at asking. And God in his mercy, God in his grace, he would answer a lot of those prayers. And it was so cool to see. But the thing that kind of changed for me, the thing that kind of, again, I feel like God kind of put on my heart was, I want you to take a deeper look at prayer because you're missing a piece of it. Prayer is not meant to be an exchange of goods or an exchange of services. Prayer is not something like that 10-year-old kid saying, hey, I want this, here you go. Prayer is meant to be something deeper. Prayer is meant to be something that brings us closer to who Jesus is. Meant to us be, to be something that like, we really look forward to. And here's what's really cool. Here's what I love about the Bridge Church. Is when I speak to a room like this, I know there is a lot of diversity in this room. Okay, what I mean by that is I, I, we have people in this room who, when I talk about prayer, you're like, oh, yes, I am a person of prayer. I love to pray. I pray a lot. I pray this. I pray all these different things. And you have some incredible people that I, I am inspired by how, how fervently you pray. Then we also have people in this room who you're maybe like, you know what, I'm going to be, if I were to be really honest with you, Derek, uh, I don't really pray out loud. Okay, like maybe I kind of speak in my head and I, and I have this conversation with God in my head or silently or whatever, but like I'm not a person who like sits down and prays when I'm by myself. And what's so cool about this sermon series, what's so cool is what I'm going to talk about today is we're going to level the playing field. Okay, because it doesn't matter how much you pray or how little you pray. The love that God has for you is consistent. Okay, so let me just kind of get that out. As we talk about prayer this week and next week and going forward, how much you pray is not indicative of how much God loves you. It's far from it. Your love is consistent because he loves you the exact same. But I'm also going to level the playing field on is when we talk about prayer throughout this sermon series, this is not a sermon series just for someone who is a prayer. Okay, it's not one of those things where it's like, you know, like, ah, oh, I, I'm, I, this is not for me. I'm new to prayer. I'm just kind of going to check out. And on the flip side, this is not a sermon series for someone who's like, okay, dude, like, I know what you're going to say. Been praying for longer than you've been alive. Like, I, I, dude, I you don't have anything to teach me. This, I'm going to level the playing field because I truly believe when I, we preach this, when we go through this, there's going to be something for each single person in this room. Because we're going to take a look at prayer. Not just how to pray, not just what to pray, but why we pray, what we do, why we do it. All these different things by looking at how the person who did it best did it. And that is Jesus. Because I can't think of a better way to start a brand new year, 2024, than with prayer. Because let me tell you something. In 2024, this year, you're going to experience some really cool things. Don't know what they are. Maybe you don't even know what they are, but there's going to be blessings. There's going to be cool things. There's going to be things that you're like, wow, did not see that coming. And I'm so grateful. Thank you, God, for that. There are also going to be things in 2024 that you don't see coming that are not so great. A curveball, a hurdle, a trial. And whatever you find yourself in, in either situations, I'd encourage you that if we can be grounded on prayer, if we can be focused on seeking Jesus through prayer, no matter what comes high, lower, in between, we will be okay. And the way to start it all is by learning how to pray, learning how to seek Jesus deeper, because that's what Jesus did. He began his ministry with 
prayer. Luke chapter 4, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Okay? This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's 30 years old. From 30 to 33 is Jesus' ministry. It's the time when he healed people. It's the time when he spoke about what he's going to do and why he came and all those different things. But he begins his ministry through prayer. How do we know that? Because he's in the wilderness. Now, when you think of wilderness, at least how I think about it, I think about like Minnesota wilderness, like 40-foot pines, right? Like greenery, you know, all those different things. When we talk about wilderness in the Bible, the wilderness is arid desert, hot, dry, nothing out there. And so here you have Jesus, who is baptized in the Jordan River, filled with the Holy Spirit, led into the desert, where for 40 days he ate nothing. And oh yeah, by the way, while he's at it, he's being tempted by the devil. Easy enough, right? Not a big deal. See, here's, I don't know how it is in your household, but uh, there's one person in my household that when they are hungry, you watch out. Hangry. See, I've heard hangry before. This is like ferocious anger, though. Like, if you don't get me food now, your life is at stake. And I'm not going to tell you which person it is, but she is a force to be reckoned with. I'll let you decide which one she is. I can't imagine being hungry and then tempted by Satan himself and still coming out on the other side of it without falling into the temptation. How did he do it? How did he come out unscathed? How did he not fall? See, here's the context clue. He ate nothing during those days. You might think, was that just because he wanted to turn up the heat with temptation? Why didn't he eat anything? Kicker is, in the Bible, when you don't eat something intentionally, that's called fasting. And prayer is always accompanying fasting. Prayer and fasting are together, like peanut butter and jelly. So when he's not eating, what they're telling us is while he's in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan himself, Jesus is praying. And Jesus continued to pray outside of the wilderness. Watch this, Luke chapter 5, the next chapter. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This might come as a surprise to you, but Jesus prayed a lot, a lot, a lot. We see it right here in the text that he often withdrew. And what's so cool to me is we see him praying in the wilderness when things are tough, when he's being tempted, when he's going through things, he's praying. But in Luke chapter 5, the reason he withdrew is because things were now going well. People were coming to him. People were, you know, they knew who he was. He was getting popular. There was some good things happening. But he still found the need to get away by himself and pray. He prayed in the bad. He prayed in the good. He prayed in the morning. He prayed at night after a long day. He prayed alone in a solitary place with no distractions no interruptions, and he also prayed when he was being bombarded with people, and he prayed in front of a group of hundreds of thousands of people. Jesus prayed in the good, in the bad, 
Jesus prayed in the beginning and until his very last breath. When Jesus was on the cross, he still prayed. He was a man that was built upon prayer. But here's where I think we get it confused. This might not shock you. It's Jesus. Of course he prayed. But what's so cool, what I missed for so long, is why he prayed. He didn't pray to flex his spiritual muscles. He didn't pray because he had to, because he was God's son and all, no pressure. He prayed because he enjoyed it. He prayed because he depended upon it. Make no mistake, Jesus was fully God, yeah. But he was also fully human, just like you and I. Which means he had all the same temptations, all the same struggles, all the same emotions that you and I have. And he found the need, the desire, the consistency of prayer. So throughout this sermon series, guys, we're going to look at the nitty-gritty of prayer. I'm going to teach you how to pray. I'm going to teach you when we ought to pray. I'm going to teach you what things we ought to pray for. But before I give you the how, I've got to show you the why. Because again, I grew up in a very kind of, I shouldn't say I grew up, we only went there twice a year, but I grew up in a more traditional church setting. And so I knew the Lord's Prayer by heart, just like the Pledge of Allegiance, right? Our Father, out in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, other things in heaven. You get really good at that. But if you don't have the heart of prayer, you can miss it. And here's what I mean. Look at Luke chapter 11. Now this, we're going to come back to this throughout the series, but this is so, so profound about prayer. This is now Luke chapter 11. This is years later from what I just read to you when he was in the wilderness. Check this out. One day, Jesus was, what? Praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Have you ever seen someone do something mundane, but the way that they do it is just different? Right? Like, Man, when you vacuum, just things come out of the woodwork. You do great with it, right? Dumb example, I know. But when you watch someone do something mundane and you're like, wow, something is different about that, it kind of like challenges you, all right? This is Luke chapter 11. The disciples have been with Jesus for years. They've seen him pray. They've seen him kind of sneak off to the side and get alone and pray. They've seen him pray for somebody and their eyes are opened. He's seen them pray for somebody and a demon comes out. They've seen him pray and crazy things happen. They've seen him pray for years. But for whatever reason, this time he's praying in a certain place. And even though they've seen this so many times, what do they say? They say, Lord, teach us to pray. What they're saying is, we want to pray like you pray. Because when you come out of prayer, you're different. You're way different. Not that you were a bad person, not that you're a good person. No, what's different about you is you went into prayer and you come out of prayer with authority, with conviction, with joy, with peace. There is a difference to you, Jesus, when you come out of prayer and we want what you have. So verse 2, here's what he says. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Does that sound familiar? 
This is what we've read. This is what we've memorized. And the, where they get that is from this book, which is awesome. But again, if you miss the why, it can just be lip service. And so let me break this down to you. Here's why this is so important. He begins the prayer with, Father, hallowed be your name. To you and I, that's not anything crazy. We've heard this for a long time, maybe as long as we've been alive. But for Jesus, for him to begin a prayer by saying, Father, was completely unconventional, completely off the wall. Because people who prayed in this day and age, God's name was to be revered. Oh, most holy, bountiful, magnificent, reverent maker of the universe, I pray to thee. That's how it was. you were supposed to revere God's name because he was due of honor and respect. But for Jesus, he says, Father, or Abba, which was very informal, but very intimate. Okay? If I go to the doctor's office, they call me Mr. Mom. feels very formal. If my son calls me Mr. Mom, I'm concerned. Because it's informal. It's intimate. It's personal. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. When he says, pray to him as your father, what he's saying is you need to When you communicate with God, it's a personal conversation between a father and a son. The reason we pray, I've got three reasons for you today if you're taking notes. The first reason that we pray is because when we pray, it's an opportunity for us to commune with God. A good friend, or I should say a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine, a pastor, an author that I look up to a whole lot, he did a deep dive into this particular text, and he found something very interesting. In Matthew, it says, our Father who art in heaven. That word heaven in the Greek kind of carries a dual meaning. The first meaning means literal heaven, like up in the sky, like when we go, when we die, like that's heaven. But another meaning for heaven is kind of like the air that we breathe. What does that mean? Our Father who art in heaven, our Father in the air. Jesus is close. God is close. Now, I don't know about you, but for a long time, sometimes the disconnect for me in prayer was because I felt like I praying didn't make a difference. Like when I pray, it's got to go through my ceiling, up into the sky, up into the clouds, and then reach the ears of God, and hopefully he hears me. But no, our Father is in the air. He's close. He's personal. You don't have to perform. You can just ask him exactly what's on your mind because he's a good father. I was talking about uh, earlier today how when I was a senior, we had this thing called a senior project in Bible college. It's kind of your capstone. You have to do a big 70, 60-page document about one particular subject. Then you got to present it to all of the department heads. Terrifying. It's very terrifying. So, you know, all, all year long, I'm, I'm stressing out about it. And so it's, it's coming up to the day of, and I'm ready, okay? Like, I am dressed to the nines. Even Meg thought I was attractive. Like, it was, like, real good, okay? I was looking fine that day. I had black dress pants that were sleek. They were tighter than my skinny jeans here. They were like awesome. I had the dress shirt with the collar up around here. The tie was, you know, neck tight. And when I got into that room and all the department heads were sitting there like, I'm like, oh boy, don't look nervous. Don't look nervous. Okay. But when we walked in here, it was easy because here's what happened. I had rehearsed this presentation so much. You can ask Meg, literally before we left our apartment, I practiced it for an hour straight before we got and was freaking out. But by the time I got there, 
I had said it so much, I literally went into autopilot. I don't even know what I said. Because I had rehearsed it so well. I had done it so well that it, was, it wasn't even like a, a second thought. It just kind of rolled off the tongue. Got an A, by the way. You can clap for me if you want. But I contrast that because I think a lot of times that's how prayer is for us. We come into prayer rehearsed. We come into prayer with our best foot forward, looking good. All right, God, there's all this junk behind me, but hey, thanks for all that you do. And that's kind of how our prayer life starts. Now, you contrast that with that first year of college after being away for three months. When I walked into the front door of my childhood home and I walked into the living room, I can't tell you the change in feeling. It just felt like I was home. Just felt like I could take off any armor, any any just like mask, anything. I could just felt like I could just literally be one hundred and ten percent authentically myself, and it was awesome. And that is what prayer is meant to be. Prayer is meant to be this communion with God that's easy, that's like just comfortable and maybe not comfortable for what you're praying for but comfortable in the sense of who you're communing with god is not a god who's sitting here with his notebook like all right so you you did this this week you did that this week i'm gonna dock you points here no no that's not how prayer works prayer is like a father who has his son walk in the door after not seeing him for three months saying it is so good to have you home what's on your mind what's new what's going on prayer is communion with god And what happens is when we commune with God, the second reason we pray is prayer realigns our identity. It realigns us. Here's what I mean. Look at the Lord's Prayer. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. If you look at the grammar of this, it's very, very intentional. The subject is you. The subject is God. You, that God. Father, that's you. Your, that's you. Give us, okay? That's us. But the subject, the verb is give. Who is giving? You. Everything is pointing back to God. Prayer is meant to focus on who God is because when we focus on who he is, it realigns who we are. What do I mean by that? That's a lot of a mouthful, okay? When you know who God is as a heavenly father, what does that make us? Sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. And Jesus doubles down with this very thing later on in the text, Luke 11. Which of you, you in this room, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Don't hang up on the you are evil thing. The point that he's trying to make is we as human beings, broken human beings that make mistakes, if we know how to love our kids well, imagine how much more the Heavenly Father loves us. If we, even though we get it wrong, love our kids more than life itself, imagine how much God himself loves us. When you pray, here's what happens. All of the things that try to define you are stripped away, kind of being refined in fire. All the impurities are washed away. What I mean by that is when you pray, 
the sins and the mistakes that have been heavy on your heart are forgiven and redeemed and forgotten. The things that you think are unforgivable, the things that are heavy, the things that have caused mistakes, things that have caused pain, whether it's sexual in nature, whether it is whether it is spiritual, mental, physical, the things that define us are now forgiven and they no longer do. We are no longer defined by habits, by addictions, by shortcomings, by titles. All of the things that we claim about ourselves, all the things that are placed upon us, all the things that are outside of the reality that we are God's sons and daughters are stripped away when we pray. Because when we pray, we're talking to God himself who sent his son Jesus to take away all of our stuff, all the heavy stuff. You're no longer defined by the negative or the positive. You can come to God and say, look at all the cool things I'm doing, but it pales in comparison to the fact that at the end of the day, you are his son and his daughter. And so many times when I get into prayer, I talk about prayer like this, I think for some people, this is where it kind of wraps you up. Because it's hard to pray when you feel like you've got a bunch of things tying you back. It's hard to pray when you feel like you're not worthy to pray. Kind of like that kid who knows he did something wrong. Comes to you, his head down and his, you know, demeanor down. That's not how prayer is meant to be. He's welcome. He's happy to see us when we pray. And prayer is a reminder for Jesus that while he was serving on behalf of God at the end of the day, he was his son. Jesus knew from the time he was in the manger that that was his fate, that he would one day die on a cross for the sins of everybody. How did he do it? How did he take that weight every single day? He prayed. And he was reminded that he is God's son. So point number three, the last of my three points. Why do we pray? Because prayer changes things. I'm going to read you this quote that has really radically changed how I pray and why I pray. It's from an American uh, philosopher who's also a Christian. His name is Dallas Willard, and here's what he says. God's response to our prayers is not a charade. He does not pretend that he's answering our prayers when he's only doing what he was going to do anyway. Our requests really do make a difference in what God does or does not do. The idea that everything would happen exactly as it does regardless of whether we pray or not is a specter that haunts the minds of many who sincerely profess belief in God. Check this out. It makes prayer psychologically impossible, replacing it with dead ritual at best. Now, if you're like me and you're like, wow, that was a lot of words. I got about half of them. Let me break this down for you, okay? My son, Ellis, is on the front row. I'm pretty sure he's taking a nap right now. I can put people to sleep when I preach, believe it or not. Ellis loves to watch his dad play video games, and he wants to play with him. Now, Believe it or not, a four-year-old can't play Xbox the same way that I do. Okay, we get into just some bad situations, right? If you're my wingman, you got to hold your weight, my man, okay? He doesn't get it. So what we've done for a long time 
is when we're playing Xbox, I'll have my controller. And when he wants to play with dad, guess what Ellis gets? A controller without batteries in it. Because when I'm moving, he's moving, right? There you are, bud. Yep, you're doing exactly what I'm doing. Awesome. He's wised up now, and now he's on to me. So that, that whole plant's full. But for a long time, everybody, that's how I felt prayer was. God, if you're going to do what you're going to do anyway, if you are the maker of all things, you know what you're going to do. Why does it matter if I pray, if you're going to do what you're going to do? Why does it matter? But Dallas Willard's on to something here. That God might know what he's going to do. But he's baking into the fact that he needs you to pray for it. He knows it's going to happen. But you're a part of the plan. Prayer changes things. Prayer is not just something that we do just for lip service, just to pretend that we're close with God. Prayer genuinely makes a difference. Here's how I know that. Mark chapter 9, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? In Mark chapter 9, there was a man that was possessed by a demon, really scary, frothing at the mouth, flailing the crazy, really crazy situation. And the disciples, they're trying to kind of like figure out how they do this. So they go in there and they're kind of scared. They're kind of timid. They're trying to pray for him, but it's not working. It's, it's all this crazy stuff. So Jesus comes in and prays for the guy. And he's healed instantly. And he goes calm and quiet and normal. And so they're going after, the, after this whole thing. They're kind of feeling like, why couldn't we do it? They get Jesus alone and say, Jesus, why couldn't we drive it out? And look what he says, verse 29. He replied, this kind can come out only by what? Prayer. You can try to do all these things. You can try to push the right buttons. You can try to know the right stuff. But there are some things that can only happen when we pray. And sincerely and earnestly pray. We can have a three-hour conversation about why some prayers get answered this way, some prayers get answered that way. Why sometimes it goes this way, sometimes it goes this way. And the, the gist of it is, I don't know the metric. I don't know why God does things the way that he does sometimes. But he does. He's got plans. He's got his ideas. He's got his things. And as much as it's tough for us to believe sometimes that they are good, they are inherently good. Even the most heart-wrenching of things. doesn't mean they're easy. But there is good to be had in them. And the point that I have in all of this is prayer does change things. Prayer changes your family. Prayer changes your perspective. Prayer changes your diagnosis. Prayer changes your financial outlook. Prayer changes the things that you walk through. Maybe not according to your plans, but to his. And the gist that we are called to do is we are called to Pray according to his will. I want to leave you with this. I'm going to show you something that uh, I've been thinking a lot about this week. I'm going to throw a picture up here. This is a picture of our duck boat. That's my dad sitting on the front on our way out to our spot about a year and uh, two years ago now. And I didn't have any better pictures because our duck boat is far from flashy. Very functional. Okay. This, this boat has been over beaver dams. It has been drug on to land. This thing is an absolute tank. Now, when I think of this duck boat, 
I don't think always about the number of birds that have been in it. I don't think about the time we jumped the beaver dam all the time. Okay, That's all great. And I love our duck boat for that. But that duck boat has had more conversations in it than I can possibly tell you. Times in which we're sitting there and as we're waiting from the volley of birds to come from one to the next, my dad's sitting right here, I'm sitting right here, and sometimes the conversation is quiet as we're just taking in nature. Other times it's quoting Dumb and Dumber for the 45th time. Other times it's talking about how frustrating the Vikings are. Other times it's talking about how just this is dumb and this is awesome and this is right and all those different side conversations. But the amount of times that that duck boat has been the vessel behind some long, transforming conversations is more than I can tell you. The times in which my dad's sitting over here and I take the emotional bucket of my heart and my soul and my thoughts and just dump it out. Why? It's my dad. He knows me. I love him. He loves me. And I wasn't looking for anything. It just kind of happened naturally. It happened organically. But all of a sudden, I'm finding myself just pouring my heart and my soul out to my dad. Of like, dad, I'm going through this. I'm struggling with this. This is really tough. How do I go about this? What should I do? How did you do this? And I just start to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And there are times when my dad just sits there and listens and observes. There are times when my dad would just like drop a bomb of wisdom on me. Like, whoa! That's genius! And I walked into the slough feeling discouraged and heavy, and I walked out feeling empowered and encouraged. There are other times my dad says, nothing. And I'm like, dude, just poured out my heart, you got nothing for me? Then he goes, I'm just... I want you to know I'm proud of you. You're processing really well. We get back to the landing, gives me a hug, and I think about that boat. It's as crazy as a very big comparison it is. What God really changed inside of me is he goes, Derek, your prayer life is meant to be like that duck boat. You don't have to come in here and be all flashy. You don't have to come in here with a list of things you ought to pray for. You come and pray. It's going to be as organic, natural, real, and authentic as you are with your earthly dad right next to you. That's what prayer is meant to be. You can give him the best show, but it's not going to be real until you're authentic, until you're truly getting to the heart of what is on your heart. So here's the deal. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at prayer. I'm going to teach you some things, how I pray, why I pray, how Scripture tells us to pray. We're going to look at how. We're going to look at when. When do you pray? Just when things come up, do you pray during the day? What does that look like? We're going to look at what to pray. Why? Do, what, what, what do I have to pray for? I, I, I prayed for two minutes, and I've run out of things to ask for. 
What do we pray for? We're going to look at all those things. Before we look at all those things, it's so important for us to have the heart of prayer. And the heart of prayer is to be in communion with God, to talk to our Heavenly Father that loves us more than life itself. And when that happens, it realigns our identity. It reminds us who we are. And when we are reminded of who we are, prayer allows us to see things changed in a full as a church I believe God's got some incredible things for you in this room individually in your lives I also believe there are things that we're going to see as a church that are incredible and it starts with prayer because the deal is for a long time I was seeking God's hand God would you be with finances would you be with healing would you be with people I was seeking his hand where he can give me prayer, but also about seeking his face and seeking him for who he is and just being real and authentic with what's going on in your life. So today, I'm going to pray for you. And I know for some of you, you have never prayed. How loud have you prayed? So I'm going to challenge you. Not today. It's not here. But at some point this week, if you've never prayed, Someday when you're alone, in your truck, in the bathroom, before you get up to work, before you go to bed, if you've never prayed, start easy, start small. Open Luke chapter 11 and read the Lord's Prayer out loud. Our Father, hallowed be your name. And don't just read it. Process it. Our Father, your Father, thank you. Hallowed be your name. And your prayer might be two minutes, but don't, don't reject conversation. Before I pray, that's my challenge. Pray this week. And if you're a seasoned prayer, I'm going to challenge you too. Before you go in there and start rattling down your list, take a minute. Don't say anything. Because prayer is a conversation. You're talking. But God's going to speak back to you. Let him speak. Listen to what he has for you. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that our prayers are not bouncing off the ceiling. I thank you that our prayers are not floating off in the clouds. I thank you, God, that our prayers go right from our mouth, right into your ears, God, where you hear it because you're close. You're a good dad. God, I know for some people in this room, it's hard to make that connection because their relationship with their dad, their earthly dad, has been fractured. It's been difficult, and that connection is tough. But God, I pray that each person in this room would understand that they are so, so loved. Regardless of what they've done, regardless of where they've been, regardless of the mistakes they've made, the people they've hurt, I pray, God, that they would understand that they are loved. And they're forgiven. And that the power of prayer is understanding that we can confess with our mouth, Jesus, I've made mistakes. Jesus, I've messed up. But Jesus, I believe in you. And when we make that prayer, you rush into our life, giving us a fresh start, redeeming us, and leading us into what you have for us next. So God, I pray for the people in this room. I pray for the needs. 
financial, healing, relationships, broken relationships, people that are far off, dreams, struggles, issues, grief, mental health, whatever it is, God, I know that there are needs in this place. And God, I believe you are a powerful God who answers our prayers. So I'm asking God that you would answer those prayers. You would speak on behalf of them. You would help them move in a radical way. God, you are a good God. Would you please answer those prayers? And God, as the people in this room choose to seek you, as they choose to pray with you, I pray that you would meet them right in the middle of their situation. God, you would show up like never before. Meet us here, God. We look forward to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.